0: Let me welcome you back to your seats. What we just did for the last three songs, the space of prayer, that's, that's, I love to preach, but that might be my favorite part of Sunday. Watching during those three songs, watching people move and watching people pray, watching the connections that happen. This week in particular, on Wednesday, it's a first Wednesday. So I'm gonna invite you personally to be here with us at seven o'clock on Wednesday. We're going to talk and pray through the aspects of Advent, hope and joy and peace and love. We're going to pray that for our community. So that would be Wednesday, this, this Wednesday, just a few days away, 7 o'clock. On Saturdays, we pray at 10 o'clock. We gather together on a Saturday morning. We do that every Saturday. So that will be happening this week as well. I invite you to be a part of that. That's just an hour. We, we, we dial in to a, a partner church in uh, Birmingham. And it's uh, sent all over the country, churches all over the country, dial in and we pray together. And there's uh, opportunity, it's led, and we sing and we worship, and we have like a half hour of just prayer for whatever we're feeling. And then there's 10 or 15 minutes of directed prayer moments. And so it's a it's a beautiful, really a beautiful time. So that's Saturday at 10 o'clock. So Wednesday, there's an opportunity to pray this week. Uh, Saturday at 10 Ten, there's an opportunity to pray. And then I'm super excited, Uh, looking forward to all the things that happen during Christmas and December. But in January, we start 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we did did in the fall. Uh, If you missed that one, that was 21 days of prayer and feasting. This is 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm actually looking forward to having the opportunity to pray, starting really the first full week of January, which would be the 7th. So what happens during that 21 days is that at 7 in the morning, we meet in here very similarly to what Saturday looks like. And we join that prayer that's happening all over the country and churches all over the place. Every every morning, they'll call out three or four churches all over, you know, in Montana or Florida or Southern California, whatever. All these churches, it's pretty powerful to be together like that. And so that's something to mark your calendar and look forward to in the new year uh, because... Without that, as I said earlier, as, as great a job as they did today, is gonna be so proud of them. The decoration, the intentionality, the curriculums, the connections, the pathways, all of that, without Jesus. And prayer is that connection. <clears throat> and it's praying for us, it's praying for others, and that's where maturity is, really. It's one of our, uh, the connection is really our fourth step and connection with each other, and connection through prayer. So I encourage you to be here for that. I already told you that we're starting a four-part series called Clear the Stage. And the idea on that is there are so many things. I mean, is there a month in the year of the 12 months, is there a month that has more concentrated distraction than December? Like, you you can't even schedule a meeting, right? You couldn't schedule a meeting. You can try to get all your meetings in November, <laughs> Because, like, in December, it's just people are busy and traveling and buying. and just, There's so much going on. But as this shows, we want to take everything off. We want to take this month as his body, as his church, and be intentional and take everything away. Strip it all away. And just recognize that there is no one like Jesus. There's going to be a passage that we read each Sunday, and it's out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Ephesians One i I'll give you a chance to flip there on your phone, or if you have a paper Bible, you can flip there as well. It's about two-thirds of the way back into the New Testament. Paul says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. which is his body, the fullness of him who fills, here we go, everything in every way. So over the next four weeks, we're going to investigate and we are going to celebrate the one, the goat. Right, We're going to celebrate the greatest of all time. Each Sunday, recognition of who he is and what he's done. And when we connect with that space of who he is and what he's done, there is a story in the Bible about a man who had so many demons, he just ran around naked, and they tried to chain him and tie him up and put him in a crate, and he broke out of everything until Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, this man that the Bible says, the devils inside of him spoke, and he said, what's your name? And they said, we are legion, for we are many. A legion is 6,000 typically. So 6,000 devils this brother has, right? And when Jesus shows up, he couldn't be bound or held by anything man could do. But when Jesus shows up, this dude has no choice but to run up and worship. That's who I'm talking about. Jesus who shows up and all things submit to him. That's who I'm talking about. And this guy, after he was delivered... He wanted to be a disciple of Jesus and follow Jesus and join his merry band. But Jesus said, nope. He said, you're staying here. But, but I want to follow you and serve you and work for you. And he said, nope, you're staying here. But he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, tell, I want you to tell people the goodness of God and what he's done for you, how kind he is and what he's done for you. I want you to do that. I want you to just stay, and here's your assignment. How good am I <laughs> and what have I done for you? And from those two things, Jesus went from the southwest part of, uh, southeast part of Galilee to the northwest part of Galilee. And over a few months, he ministered up there in a Gentile area called Tyre and Sidon. And when he came back, he crossed Galilee again and came back. When he came back, asked him to leave. They kicked him out. When he came back, because of one guy that said, this is how kind Jesus is, and this is what he's done for me. That's when he was feeding 5,000 people. And that's just men. There might have been 15,000 people. I grew up in a little town in southern Illinois that had 15,000 people. That would mean every single person in my town came out and missed lunch and missed dinner. Where just a few minutes ago, they kicked him out. But now they were willing to sit and listen. Why? Because they figured out who he is. How kind he is and what he's done for us. And we want to just clear the stage of our mind. We want to clear the stage of our schedule and our calendar. And as much as we can, it is a call to swim upstream. It is a call in some respects to hop out of the pond, hop out of the river, (laughs) get up on the side, and be intent about who he is. I'm thinking about this story, a funny story. I was in Chick-fil-A. This is years ago. And I was sitting in there. I don't know. I was waiting on someone or whatever. I was just in there by myself. And it was pretty early in the morning. I might have been, I used to go there and I'd study or get a coffee or something. So I'd read. and Something like that was going on. And I heard this guy at the counter, and he's like, no, I don't want any sauce. <laughs> That's what he said. Apparently, he'd ordered chicken strips. And they're like, would you like some sauce? No, I don't want any sauce. are like, so you don't want No, why would I want sauce? He was all agitated aggravated. Caught my attention. I began to pay attention. I looked over. Oh, I'm kind of interested in what's going on. He said, no, 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 no. You only need that for bad tasting chicken. That's what he said. I don't need any sauce because the chicken tastes great on its own. I don't need anything else. No additives, no fillers, nothing extra. No other accoutrements. Jesus stands on his own. We don't need any sauce. (laughs) We don't need any any fluff. Just pure Jesus. Just pure hope. It's just Jesus. Jesus. Now in Ephesians 1.18, which we just read, that was the first verse we read. It says, the eyes of our heart enlightened in order that we may know the hope. The first week of Advent, which is today, the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent is about expectation. That's what Advent would mean. Like this expectation of something. The four weeks before Jesus' arrival, right? This expectation. Hope is the very first Sunday. That's what we're going to talk about today. The hope. Now, they're going to pull up Isaiah 9. Verses uh, 1 through 7, so you're welcome to turn there. This may be something that you're familiar with. Probably not these first couple of verses, but as we work 1 through 7, you're going to be familiar with these. You've heard some of this. In fact, even songs. Oh, run to what's a child is born. There you go. It's about what you're going to read. Just a second, okay? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. How good does that sound? Come on, Really? This is the prophecy of Isaiah. Spoiler alert. It's talking about Jesus. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. I hope that every one of us can get our hands around that. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future... He'll honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Can I get a witness to that, anybody? Walking in darkness. We were doing the best we could with what we had, but we keep stumbling into the furniture. We just keep bumping into stuff. We're, We're moving. We're trying. We keep bumping into things. We are doing the best we can now we've seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What a beautiful hope. What a beautiful promise. What a beautiful truth. And this isn't theory. Like we have experienced that in this room. People in this room have been living not in just kind of darkness, but deep darkness. Sometimes on the Navy ship, I served on a couple of different Navy ships. And we'd be out in the Mediterranean, and sometimes I'd open the hatch, and you saw nothing. There was no starlight, no moonlight. It was cloudy and dark, and you're floating out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and that is darkness, like, just freezes you. We were all cocky, arrogant, you know, 20-year-olds, and we're all like, we'd open that door, and you'd feel that rush of salt wind, and you'd hear the roar of that water, and we were all like we were six years old in a line at school. We're all like grabbing each other. We're like, I'm not kidding. That wasn't, I'm serious. We would immediately just grab each other. It was a darkness I'd never experienced. Your hand right here, you didn't see a thing. Absolute darkness. Oh, my. How many of us walk in that, have walked in But this is an oasis of light because of Jesus, because of Jesus. And in just a few weeks, on Christmas Eve Sunday, we're going to have a candlelight song in here. It's it's one of my favorite times of the whole year of worship. And I'll light a candle. And if this is how we were sitting right now, I'd hand it to you and you'd light it. And then he'll light yours and you'll light bills, and you'll light. And just like that, this light, it's not our light. It's his light. But we get to share it because it has dawned on us. Next verse, please. You've enlarged the nation and you've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, right? Rejoice at harvest as, as warriors rejoice when they're dividing the plunder. <laughs> Next verse. For as in the days of Midian's defeat... Now, not many of us would maybe know this. Midian, this is referencing a time where Gideon, one of the judges in Israel was hiding. They were scared. The Midianites would just come in and take whatever they wanted. Is that your water bottle? If I'm Midian, I just walk over and take it. I just walk over and take it. And you don't do anything. And if you do, I slap you. Like, that's what happened. That's what Midian does. And, And they just like pillage everything and burn stuff. And Is that also your phone? I'm taking that. Yes, I'm taking whatever I want, right? They just come in and just grab stuff. They just take whatever, like just free shopping, whatever they want. They'd let let the Israelites do all the work, and then they'd come in and take all the spoil. And they just did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They absolutely called the shots. Everyone was afraid. Gideon was hiding, but is in the day of Midian's defeat. You see, God called Gideon, and this one man gathered 300. You know the story. There were 32,000. And then 22,000 left and there were 10,000. And that's still too many. Because they're talking about the Lord. Got it down to 300. They slammed a pot, held up a candle and blew a trumpet. And this army of Midian turned on itself. And I've been praying that this week. May the forces of darkness turn on themselves. May they turn on themselves. Because he shattered the yoke that burdens and the bar across their shoulders. Now, we're still in Isaiah 9. We're getting closer. 9-6 is the one that everybody knows. But what a beautiful preliminary. The yoke that burdens them, the bar that's across their shoulders. All that's being shattered by who? Jesus. All right, next verse. Breaking down the rod of their oppressor, the bar, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning and it's going to be fuel for the fire. The day of war is going to end. The warrior boots not needed anymore. The garment rolled in blood not needed anymore. It's destined for the fire. Destined for the fire. There will be not just lack of conflict, but peace for unto us. You want to read it with me? For unto us a child is born And to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He's holding all those things, that child. He's going to be called the wonderful counselor. I've gone to counselors. You've gone to counselors. I had a recent experience where I went to a psychologist. Good guy. I'd play golf with him. We could sit in the backyard and do barbecue. But I paid for five sessions and got nothing. That's just the truth. I just, and then I went to a different kind of counselor. I sat with that dude for like two sessions, it's changing my life. There's counselors, and then there's wonderful counselors. <laughs> right? He's a wonderful counselor. Do you realize that all the wisdom of the Godhead is in Jesus Christ? All power, all glory, all wisdom. He's a wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what's it say? of the greatness of his government and peace. No end. He's gonna reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing. You know what, we go from deep, deep darkness to being established. We go from deep, deep darkness to finding ourselves not just bumping around dark, we don't even know where we're going, but we're established upheld with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the zeal of the Lord doesn't, I mean, zeal is like, come on, man, we need a little zeal up here. That's like, I'm fired up, fired up, fired up. That's not what it is. This word zeal in the Hebrew, the next slide, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. What that zeal is is actually a jealousy. It's a compassion and care is really what it speaks of. And if you read it like that, The love of God, the compassion, the care, frankly, the jealousy, so into us. Somebody needs to hear that today, okay? I don't know if you knew this, but people walk in this church and expect the ceiling to come down on them. It's not wrong. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but I've met people at the back door and walked in with them they said, wow, I haven't been in a church in so long. I think the ceiling's going to fall on me. That's a quote. And I say, well, let me walk with you so we'll, maybe the ceiling won't fall on you. <laughs> you understand that we are here seeking, but some of us need to get the message that he is jealous about us. He loves us a lot. Like a lot. Jesus is really jealous really into you. He really cares. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That's this Jesus. I'm thinking of a couple passages. One, now these aren't I didn't give these to Chip to put on the screen so you can clear that screen, buddy. I'm just going to read these to you. A couple stories came to my mind in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It's a story of Simeon. Now, this is baby Jesus stuff right here, Simeon. And in uh, verse 36, it's about Anna. Just let let me read this to you. In Jerusalem at the time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived, now listen to this, lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. He lived in the prayerful expectancy of help. You know what we call that? Hope. He lived in hope. The prayerful expectancy of help. How many people are in here today and you walked in here because you're walking in the prayerful expectancy of hope? I am looking for something that helps me. The Holy Spirit was on him and the Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Whoa, did you know that? This guy, Simeon, priest, hanging around, walking with the Lord, and it's interesting to me, it's kind of of interesting that Jesus said, I have to go away so the Holy Spirit can come, I got it, maybe that meant indwelling, but this brother was connected to the Holy Spirit. It literally says, the Holy Spirit was on him, the Holy Spirit had shown him that he'd see the Messiah before he died, and led by the Spirit, that's fantastic, This is how we can live. We don't have to live in deep darkness. We can live being led by the Spirit. He entered the temple. As the parents of the child, Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law. Simeon took him into his arms, and he blessed God. He takes this baby. He takes this baby. So we have had a lot of babies here lately. Uh, I think maybe our most recent is Jake and Savannah. And baby Derek, who I don't know, what's he like, 12 minutes old, right? He's he, like last week. He's just a few days old, right? Just a few days old. Uncle Bo says six days old. All right. And if, if Savannah and Jake bring him here, and I'll play Simeon, and I see him, and I'm like, there he is. There he is. And I lift him, and I give God thanks because he's shown ready for a cross? nope. done a miracle yet? nope. said anything yet? no. but he's here. he's shown up. and Simeon sees that and he rejoices. he says this, "God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised." Release me means adios, right? no die. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. You see, he knew the Savior was on the scene. (laughs) He knew the Savior was there. How powerful is that? It's now out in the open for everyone to see a God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and a glory for your people Israel. How beautiful. This man takes this baby, lifts him up, and he says, remember that prophecy of walking in deep darkness? Isaiah, what's he say? He says, you're a light. You're a light to the Gentiles. A light to the who? The Gentiles. A prophetic word that Jesus, this baby, would not just reach the Jews promised in Isaiah, but Isaiah said of his government and kingdom there would be no end. It's not just a 50 square mile piece of dirt next to the Mediterranean Sea in the Middle East. He has a power that transcends all things. And he's here, and he cares about us, and he's with us. Amazing. And then Anna. Anna the prophetess. This is fantastic. Not not everybody's familiar with Anna, so hang in there with me. Listen to this. Anna the prophetess was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was now a very old woman. Okay? She'd been married seven years and a widow for 84. Do the math on that. She was married seven years. Her husband dies. Now she's a widow for 84. So she was 90, it's been 91 years ago since she got married. And at whatever age she got married, she's very likely in triple figures here, right? She never left the temple area. Never left it. Worshiping night and day with her fasting and prayers. At the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up. Broke into an anthem of praise to God. Can you not love seeing this 107-year-old woman break into an anthem of praise? That's fantastic. Talked about the child to all who were, now listen to these two words, waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. You know another thing we call waiting expectantly? Hope, (laughs) hope. I've been giving thought to this. I'm not trying to be controversial, really. I just, I've been giving thought to it. I'm like, everyone says love is the greatest, strongest thing. The strongest thing is love. Love is the strongest thing. But as I've been thinking about this, I'm like, maybe hope is. It's gotta be close. (laughs) It's got to be close. The sense of hope, the scripture tells us that hope hope that is deferred Hope that is put aside makes my heart sick. Hope that is put aside. We're here because we have hope. Maybe it's hope of salvation. Maybe it's hope of afterlife. But for most of us, it's hope for something right now. It's hope to not be in darkness. It's hope to have some sense of peace and maybe even joy and love. Do you know why hope is the first of the four weeks? (laughs) Hope is what is in place for us to be able to be open and receive the peace and the joy, and the love. Now, this is interesting. These folks were clean. Come on. Simeon, 84 years in the temple, and she never left? Any takers on that? I mean, come on. We're like, I've gone to church. I missed two Sundays last year. Okay, like, that's still not 84 years in the temple. These folks were clean, yet they still were gripped by the one that gave them I know that's true for people here. You've been around church a long time. You've been living for God a long time. And we're still amazed and gripped. And joy fills our heart when we think of the one that gives us hope. So, Anna was this woman, and it literally tells us that she lived in the temple area. But there was another woman, not clean. And this woman was forbidden in the temple area. So Anna gets to be in the temple area. Eighty-four years she's been there. But there's another story of a woman just a few chapters later, Luke chapter 8, who is not clean. In fact, she's unclean. And she's not even allowed to be near the temple Area. She is, the woman we're about to read about, she is the absolute opposite, the absolute opposite of Anna socially, religiously, where she's welcomed and where she's allowed to be and where she's not allowed to be. Six chapters apart. Most of us don't relate to Anna living in the temple for 84 years. Most of us don't relate to continually giving ourselves to prayer and fasting. I feel like that's a safe statement to make. Pretty high bar. She was excited, but I tend to think that most of us can relate a bit more given any particular day and maybe a pattern of our very own life, we relate more to this person that's unclean. And when we get to the temple, we realize, man, I don't know that I'm the one that's supposed to be able to be here. You see, in Luke 8, it tells us about a woman that had been bleeding, hemorrhaging for 12 years. 12 years. And Jews had this interesting relationship with blood. They used it in sacrifices, but it was forbidden in food. And a woman that was bleeding was absolutely unclean, completely isolated during her cycle. Completely isolated. Like, had to literally, this is your house, but you don't get to live here, you have to live somewhere else. Had to be somewhere else, socially isolated. 12 years. In Hebrew culture, as a Jewish woman, that's not just an inconvenience. It affects every way of life. Clearly, physically, you're affected. But mentally and emotionally, you're affected because you are put away. You are isolated during that whole process, which should only be a few days, 12 years relationally you're isolated, socially you're isolated, spiritually you're isolated. You can't come to the temple. You can't be around anybody. You might as well, you could walk around and go unclean, 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 except you're not even supposed to be out. You're in your tent. And it's a tent for you and any other women in that position and nobody else. And this woman says, you know what? I'm going to go find him. Listen to this. I'm reading out of Luke 8, verse 40. I'm going to give you a little, little intro here. On his return, Jesus welcomed, he was welcomed by a crowd. They were all there expecting him, and a man came up, Jairus, by name. Listen to this brother. He was president of the meeting place. He fell at Jesus feet and he begged him come to his home because his 12-year-old daughter his only child was dying How old is she How long had that woman been struggling with that issue of blood Huh It was his only child and she was dying Jesus went with him, making his way through the pushing and jostling crowd. So Jairus comes. He's like, my daughter's 12, man. She's dying. Would you please come? He's looking for something. He made the journey driven by hope. Believing Jesus is the one. Believing like Simeon and Anna raised that child and said, here is salvation. Now in the crowd that day, there was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted with hemorrhaging. She'd spent every penny okay so we got it affecting her physically emotionally and mentally socially religiously spiritually and financially there's nothing left she is empty and broken she spent every penny she had on doctors and but not one of them had been able to help her she gave her hope into this didn't work hope into this didn't any takers you were looking for help here Didn't work like this. You were looking for help here, didn't work there. Looking for help here, didn't work. It's not that I haven't been searching. It's not that I haven't been writing checks. It's not that I haven't been praying and thinking and going after it, but none of it helped. She slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. Can I tell you what a no-no that is? Can I tell you for one quick second? Like, no. Where is she supposed to be? isolated in her tent. You are not supposed to be out because in this culture, when you're unclean and touch someone, they're unclean. You are not supposed to be doing what she's doing, but she's looking for a way out of the darkness. She is looking for a way out. I love this. At the very moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. Who can touch Jesus? And at that moment, it's done. Come on. Come on, man. That's the story of my life, right? You search and you look and you find Jesus and you touch him and right then it changes. It just changes. Things just change. And so this is fantastic. At the very moment the hemorrhaging stops and Jesus goes like, hey, who touched me? And when no one stepped forward, Peter said, come on, master, we got crowds of people all over you, man. There are dozens of people have touched you, but he insists, now listen to me, hear this. The person that's seeking today, the person that feels unclean, the person that feels like the temple is not the place for you. And you know, regardless of what you front, you know what you feel, you know what you think. He says this, he says, somebody touch me. I felt power discharge from me. (laughs) Are you kidding me, man? That is the best. You know when we think about hope, we think about hope, well, y'all come pray with me because I sure hope Jesus shows up She wasn't hoping that Jesus showed up. She knew who he was and she went to him. You don't have to hope that he shows up. He's the way. He's the answer. And you're here. You're here. Touch him. Reach. Take a shot. (laughs) Take a chance. Reach out and touch him. When the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she knelt trembling before him. And in front of all the people, she blurted out her story, why she touched him, and how at that same moment she was healed. Jesus says this, daughter, you took a risk trusting me. You took a risk hoping in me. And now you're healed and whole. Anybody up for taking a risk of hoping in him? I get it that you're here, and that's a step. But there's another step where you touch him, where you reach out and you're like, I'm going to put myself out here. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to find myself in a spot that I don't even feel worthy to be in. I'm going to find myself in a place that I haven't journeyed before, but I know there is an answer here. He says, live well and live blessed. Now, remember that intro to the story, Jairus and his daughter that was twelve. You see, the woman with the issue of blood said, I have, she told her story. I've had this for 12 years. I wonder if something clicked in Jairus's head. While he was still talking, someone from the leader's house came up and told him, your daughter died, no need to bother the teacher. Whoa. They're on their way. He's so close. How many of you have been so close? So close. (laughs) And then you get some word. No need to bother him. Your daughter's died. Can you see that dude's shoulders from like hope, 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 hope. Come on. I just saw a miracle happen. Wow. I just heard her tell a story. Wow. This is the right guy. This is the right thing. This is the right place. Come on. Come on. It's 3-2-2 two, two out, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, best hitters up there, and all of a sudden it's a called third strike. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa what just happened here. We feel like all hope is gone. But Jesus overheard it. Does anybody need to hear that today? Just that. Maybe that's the the message you need to hear today. Jesus overhears it. He's overheard you. (laughs) He's overheard the story like he knows. He overheard it. He said, don't be upset. Ready? Just trust me. Just trust me. Everything will be all right if you just trust me. How would we say that for this week of Advent? Everything's going to be all right if you just hope in me. You see, it seemed too late. Jairus' daughter is brought back to life. Sometimes, I think, for us, we can be in many of these spots. We could have spent 91 years in church, but we still rejoice in the hope he brings because we still know that we need him. Maybe you're unclean, you're isolated. you can touch him, and when you touch him, he's going to find you. Who touched me? <laughs> Jesus knows. When you touch him, he is going to find you. And you know what's amazing? This is the way I would think. I would think I would have to, like, get permission, or I would think I would have to, like, ask, is it cool for you to heal me, and then you have to give me the green light, you know? But the story is revolutionary because it's not based on Jesus. It's based on your sense of action and hope that you take those things. What are the things you've almost given up on? Who are they? What is the name of the person? What is the situation that it has been a dozen years and you have almost unloaded that thing? You've just... I just, I'll go along and get along like I'm just, it, I, guess, I guess it is what it is. Never a phrase that should be said around Jesus. No one should ever be in the presence of Jesus and say, well, I guess it is what it is. Because it doesn't have to be what it is anymore. And you're not going to have a dialogue where you negotiate and convince him. Let the faith of this woman rise up in your heart. All you have to do is touch him. I'm going to pursue you because you're the one. You're the one in whom I have believed. You're the one in whom I have hope. I am going to touch you. And in that touch, power comes out. (laughs) Isn't that the funniest story ever? Like, Jesus is, it's Jesus, for goodness sakes. He looks around, he's like, someone touched, who touched me? What's going on? You mean you healed him, but you didn't know who touched you? That's, come on, what is going on here? But that's the story. Maybe it looks like it's just too far gone. Like the daughter of Jairus, your dreams have died. Literally, they died. But it's not too late. It's not too late today. Jesus says, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. I'm gonna close today and pray with you. And here's the advice I give people as a pastor. I sought God this week, asked the Lord for direction. I have been in the presence of the Lord this week. I want to say things that are meaningful and timely for you and helpful, things that are true. And so the Word of God is presented in stories and faith, and we, we, we want to sing to build our faith and our hope. And we, we want to hear the Word of God, and faith comes from hearing the Word of God, right? That's what the Scripture says. So we want those things. But as Simeon was filled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, here's what I want you to do. Everybody, I want you to be able to do this. I want you to be able to trust the drawing. You see, Jesus talks to each of us in different ways. But the thing that you feel, that you're here today, not by accident, and you feel that drawing, just step into that space. Just take the next step. I had a mentoring call this week with a friend of mine, dear, dear friend. He's in uh, Wisconsin. He's gonna have a job transition. He's he's losing his job December 31st. He said he's got some contract stuff happening for him through, through March. He said, I wish, I wish it was through the whole year. And before he finished the sentence, it just came out of my mouth. I said, "There's nothing miraculous in knowing it's all set the whole year. There's nothing miraculous in knowing it's all set for everything's just you know exactly how it's going. There's nothing miraculous in that. But there is power, and I will take this next step. And you can show me that, and I will trust you. I will have faith in you and who you are. That's trust." When I feel like I know everything, we can be excited about that, but that's not trust. And so what are you leaning into? Are you leaning into your 401K? Are you leaning into money? Are you leaning into the stability of your job, the relationships that you have? Are you leaning into the the strength of your body, the health that you have, the stability of our community? What is it that you're leaning into? Because you need to clear the stage. We need to clear the stage of all other things. God is calling us into a special time right now to have fullness of him. Fullness of him. And when we seek first the kingdom, then all the things that prop us up are added in there wherever anyway. But there is a joy that He is calling us to. And I'm gonna pray with you right now. And I'm gonna ask you to pray in this space and respond to this. The hope of this Sunday the hope and who he is. And the tug, the drawing. Will you pray with me? All over the room? We pray with you. Lord Jesus. Thank you for the examples of scripture. Thank, thank, thank you, first of all, for the promise. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. That's happened, that's done in the books. Done. You're here. Simeon lifted you, Jesus. Lifted your baby self, lifted you. Anna, a hundred years old, sings your praises. I wonder if you realized all that as a baby. I wonder what was going on. She's singing joy, rejoicing. The woman touched you, Jairus continued to have hope. You healed, you walked with them. there are people in this room right now that believe in you the same way and trust in you the same way and hope in you the same way and believe in you the same way. Lord Jesus, we reach out to touch you. Maybe it's in our words. Maybe it's in our posture. Maybe it's in our surrender. We want to clear things that we've trusted in, maybe more than you, so that we can trust in you, so that our heart can be so open to you. And this is the first of four weeks, right? This is, this is a process and a, a beginning. Potentially someone touches you today and there's healing. Fantastic. Or it is the resurrection of dreams. It is the resurrection of faith. It is a belief that I was so unclean, I was isolated and not allowed to be anywhere around the things of God. And yet he's inviting me to be close and willing to heal me And there's healing for me and wholeness for me and restoration for me. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, let it work in this room today. Let it work in us today for true life change, for true healing, for true awareness. And let let the deep darkness fall away and let us walk in light. Thank you for that hope. We thank you for that today, Lord. And as you encourage us and we walk out of this space today. We walk out of this space with a new eye on you, a new trust in you, a new faith in you for Monday, Tuesday, and throughout our week. And as we clear the stage of our life, the busyness and our calendar, we give moments to you. Receive it, Jesus. Thank you for the change you're bringing us. Do you feel hope? (laughs) Thank you for the change. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the hope. And because of that hope, we know we can get close enough to feel your love. And you can bring healing to our families. And you can bring restoration to our families. And you can drive out spirits of darkness. And you can drive out spirits of deception. And you can drive out distraction. We lean into you. and We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.